Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. And Julie, I've, uh, I've, I've always noticed when I'm watching these, uh, these cartoons, especially things like Futurama and, uh, and The Simpsons, um, and, and even I think like Mickey Mouse, you'll, you'll, you'll look at their hands. Yes. And instead of five fingers, they'll have four. Yes. Yeah. It's odd. It's odd. Uh, I mean, sometimes you'll see someone add in that fifth finger and, and it'll look a little cramped. And I think that's the reason is that, is that if you're, if you're drawing a cartoon character, if you add all five, um, uh, appendages to the hand, uh, or phalanges, right? Yes. Um, then, uh, then it looks a little cramped. So it's better just to knock one of those fingers off and the viewer will get over it pretty fast. Yeah, I've heard that. And I've heard that, especially in the, the days of hand drawing, like with Mickey Mouse, that if you had to do an extra digit, then you had to do that, you know, 50,000 times more. So you might as well, <laughs> like, save some energy. And I've also heard that, um, that, that the four finger or the three fingers and a thumb are modeled more off of paw prints. Which is another interesting thing. Interesting, but it, it got us thinking about why? Why do we have these five digits hanging out on our hands anyway? Indeed, it's an interesting question. And and initially, I was just kind of taken by the the question of, hey, what is? How did this develop? Why five? Why not six? Why not yeah. four? And uh, and it turns out there's a lot there's a lot of interesting uh, uh, meat to this one once you really start digging into and it. bones and bones. Yeah, and and I mean that's what it basically comes down to: the meat and the bones. And, uh, and it turns out the, the five fingers, uh, for the most part is, is deeply ingrained in vertebrate anatomy and, uh, and also in our uh, embryonic development. Yeah. Um, and there's no like easily identified adaptive or functional explanation. Like you can't say, I mean, just think of all the things you use your, your hands for. It's hard to, to make an argument for, for like something in the wild where you'd be like, oh, well, you totally need five fingers to pick up a rock and, and uh, bash in the head of uh, some sort of a, you know, primeval uh, a grasslands dwelling uh, herbivore. Right. Yeah, I know. I mean, they don't necessarily need that, right? Right. So it's the, the question again: is why? Why do we have this? Why? Why is it the perfect design for right. us? And because how did we because get you there? also see, uh, uh, you know, differences. You also see uh, things like uh, Hemingway's uh, polydactyl cats, where they have six toes. Yeah. They get by, get by just fine. They're thriving on that uh, little island. Yeah. yeah. And of course, Hemingway would have a bunch of. Six-fingered cats. Yeah. Totally makes sense. And Anne Boleyn, it was rumored, had a sixth digit. Yeah. This this is still a rumor, though. This is not verifiable. <laughs> well, um, reggae artist Jimmy Cliff had an extra finger on each hand at have him removed. Um, and he turned out great. Liam Gallagher, lead vocalist of uh, Oasis, uh, he has six toes on his left foot. And, of course, uh, the fictional uh, Hannibal Lecter had uh, six fingers on one of his hands. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah so we know it happens. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's sort of like a mutation, I guess you would say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But um, but it also begs the question of, like, what – can you imagine a world when we, where we didn't have five fingers on a regular basis, you know, on each hand and um, on each foot? I mean, we have really, a, like, a, a five-fingered economy, if you think about it. Yeah, like, right now, whatever you're doing, listener – uh, unless you're driving a vehicle, you know, by all means, uh, fold in one of your, uh, one finger on each hand and just try to continue doing it and notice how, how strange it, it may feel. It's awkward, right? Yeah. Right. And think about this too. Like our base number systems are in five, 10 and 20 or one hand, two hands and two hands and two feet. Right. Right. That's how that, that equates. Right. And our entire economic system is predicated on our fingers, on counting. 
Yeah, it's uh, you, you, I think it's often referred to as a vertebrate vertebrate economy. Yeah, it's a vertebrate yeah. economy. And just in case you think we're mad, in Greenland, the word for seven translates as second hand two. So it's assumed the first hand is already up, right? Mm-hmm. So second hand two two digits. Oh wow. I was, seven. I was really fascinated, you know, you're talking about how it's like all of our number systems are based on five tenths or twenties, but it's a uh, Greenland, right? Where, where it's based on a 20 system. Yeah. Like one place where I can never imagine someone taking off their boots to do a little mathematics. <laughs> like, so why, if someone knows, I'd, I'd love to hear an explanation on, on that. I guess you, I mean, you can still count. I, it's hard. I'm trying to count with my toes through my shoes and I really don't have a lot of control over, uh, like piggies, uh, Three through four, you know? Maybe it's a way to, to stave off frostbite. You know, <laughs> like you keep your toes warm by moving them and counting them. Do your math, do, do your algebra tables. I'm not a math person. I'm sorry. That, yeah, I'm not either. I am not a mathlete. But this was something when we, another thing, uh, speaking of, of math and fingers, uh, the other thing that comes to mind instantly, um, which you said you had, you had not heard of this was the, uh, the, on your multiplication tables, your yeah. nines. Where you can say you want to do what's uh, three times nine. You hold your fingers up mm-hmm. and you put down your third finger for three, and then you have a two mm-hmm. on one side of the folded finger, mm-hmm. and then seven fingers on the other to tell you it's twenty-seven. And you can go across the board with it. Like you want to see eight by eight times nine, you put down your eighth finger, and you have seven on one side and two on the other. Which I think is brilliant. <laughs> I wish I had known about this growing up, right? Yeah. I mean, because it almost feels like cheating. Well, it, it does. And the curious thing is that over the weekend, I was talking with one of my sisters about it. And, and she reminded me that it was the janitor at our school that taught everybody that he would come up to you. Like while you're in the cafeteria line, he'd be like, Hey kids, come here. I'm going to, I'm going to clue you in. You're going to get ahead in life. Um, which is the, you know, the kind of stuff you get from the janitor. Yeah. And, uh, and he showed us the trick with the fingers for the, for the, the nines on our multiplication table. And it was, I mean, granted, I learned this and went on to, learned very little else about mathematics. So I don't know if it works. Maybe it was a handicap that actually held me back. But uh, Or maybe you completely rocked like grade school mathematics. Yeah. Maybe. You know, thanks to the janitor. But it but it does underline just how integrated it is in our in our mathematical systems. Right, yeah. right. And it's something we take for granted, right? The the, mm-hmm. the fact that we've got all these fingers. So the question is again, why just five? Um and you talked about the limb development and it's governed by the Hox gene expressions. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, which divide the embryonic limb bud into five sectors at the anterior posterior axis and essentially mapping where the digits will land. Right. Yeah. So automatically, I mean, the reason why we, we normally have five and we don't have the mutation of six or seven is because it's, it's, it's those coordinates have already been plotted for us. Yeah. It is, it is really hardwired into our system. It's a, and it basically comes down to, evolutionary laziness or or evolutionary uh, contingency at some point in the ancient past and we're going to get into the, some of the, the details on that in a second you uh this uh, five-digit system was rolled out and natural selection has never changed the, uh, the underlying floor plan yeah it's been like the gold standard yeah it never tinkered with that design it's kind of like the neighborhood that i live in you have all these bungalow houses and it's clear that when they first built these uh you know several decades ago they were all basically the same house now, over time, individual owners have changed them. So you have some some very nice additions that are made onto some, some very crappy additions that are made onto mm-hmm. others. Um, you know, and 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 all sorts of alter alterations have, have have happened. But if you walk into any one of those houses, you'd instantly be able to tell, oh, I, this is the same house. I can see the same floor plan. You drive down the street and you can see the same house after the same house, even though yeah. they evolved 
over the decades. Yeah, you're right. It's like, hey, there's that 1920s blueprint from Sears and Roebuck. Yeah. yeah. To get rid of the, the, the basic uh, system there, you'd have to doze the whole thing. Yeah. Likewise, to get rid of the five-fingered uh, uh, evolutionary discount, you would have to just go, you'd have to go back to a, a very ancient point in our development and, and just rewrite all vertebrate history from there on. Right. And you'd have to have good reason to do so. Yes, I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, you know, use your time machine responsibly. That's (laughs) hard to argue that that's a good use of the technology. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, let's, let's go back in time then. Um, scientists think that the five fingered system emerged sometime before modern amphibians split from birds, mammals, and, uh, and reptiles. Uh, and this is approximately 340 million years ago. Mm -hmm. Is this the, this is the Devonian period, right? Yes. Okay. Devonian days. And uh, based on tetrapod fossils from roughly six, 360 million years ago, scientists that believe digits first evolved uh, in principally aquatic animals, and we merely took them with us when we made the transition from fin to limb. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's a, there's a particular uh, species we look at. Uh, yeah, that's called the an- Acanthostega. Okay. Acanthostega. Sounds Acanthostega. good. Acanthostega. Let's see if I can say it three times. Um, which is like a fish-like salamander, um, a- again, from the Devonian period. And it was actually a game changer in how we've come to understand the evolution of our own digits. Um, but this little sucker is probably one of the most primitive examples of a tetrapod that you could find. And uh, it revealed that it had, I believe, eight Fingers. Is this correct? Yes. Yeah. And so it kind of, first of all, that, that startled everybody in thinking, what? It's not five? <laughs> What's going on here? Why does it have eight fingers? How yeah. does it count? Yeah. So that, that was sort of a, a, a world rocking thing, um, f- for anthropologists at the time. And then the other realization that they had when they looked closer and closer at the fossils is that it didn't exactly develop this, these, uh, eight digits to crawl out of the water and onto land. Yeah, there's this there's this common uh, mistake we make, and it, I think it, it, a lot of it comes back to the whole, um, you know, you're you're in grade school and you you're learning about evolution. And you have this chart. Of course, you have the one where it's the ape, the ascent of man, where the ape is slowly becoming the man in, right. in sequence. And then you also have the one showing the the fish crawling up on the ground on, onto the shore, sprouting legs, and then turning into something like a large prehistoric skunk. Uh, and it, and it, it, it's very useful in understanding how evolution works. But it also, it also has this, this subtle, um, uh, message too that, that this is the goal. That, uh, this fish was, was, was old and busted and the, uh, the skunk creature is, uh, the new hotness. Yeah, it's like this, yeah. this manifest destiny idea of becoming yeah. bipedal, right? Like we yeah. just assume that all creatures just, you know, they all, they sprouted these limbs and then, like you say, they just, they crawled out and became skunks. Yeah, what are you doing? Get out of the water, come on land where it's happening, yeah. grow some legs, develop some hands, and start building cities and beating yourself with stones. Yeah, but they started. They actually started to look at the fossils in the context of their environments, and they, they figured out that they were monkeying around the bottom of lagoons with their eight fingers, um, and that the, these eight fingers came off a poorly designed wrist. And paleontologist Dr. Jenny Clark said the design was, quote, like using a table knife as a pillar with the blade on the ground. Unquote. Okay. So this is one of the many clues that they that tetrapods weren't necessarily evolving solely to crawl out of the water. Right. They needed to use these uh, these appendages more effectively in the water. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And they figured out, well, th- they actually have been in the water for a really long time, evolving like these finely tuned legs, mm-hmm. uh, what would become finely tuned legs for us and using them there. 
Um, you know, we, we thought at first that, you know, they would, they'd be using like their elbows to prop themselves up and get out of the water. But in fact, they would use their elbows to, to stick their head out of the water, you know, for a moment and uh-huh. breathe air. Um, and they would also use their, their, um, limbs to grasp onto things. Yeah. And that would help them really like propel out and like ambush a prey or something. Yeah. We're basically talking about fish with hands, which, which yeah. to me instantly brings to mind of like a shark holding a shotgun. But, um, which would be, which would be kind of awesome. That would really watch this, this year's Shark Week for that. But, yeah. uh, but no, there are a number of, number of basically fish with hands species today. There's a batfish, there's a handfish, and there's a frogfish. And again, they, they use these, these limb-like fins to sneak up on prey, to move around in tight spaces, uh, navigate, navigate rocks, and an anchor against strong currents. Yeah. So, hands, can become very very useful in the water without even any dream of ever getting out of out of the water and crawling around. And so it's, it's this kind of stuff that suggests something called pre-adaptation, right? Which it's conditions in which there's no predictable outcome of an evolutionary development. Uh, in other words, Anacathostega, our little fish friend, uh, became a terrestrial creature out of chance. That's that's the mm-hmm. idea behind this discovery. Uh, discovery Magazine's article coming onto land explains this by using the example of bone, which they say could have developed as a place where animals could store extra uh, phosphorus, and only later did it come to support bodies. So it's not like that bone in this scenario developed simply so that we would become vertebrates and we'd be able to stand upright and support all of our muscles and flesh and so on and so forth. It's just that it could have been an accident of our evolution, which is really fascinating to think about. Yeah, there's a biologist by the name of Michael Cotes, um, whose uh, article was my first introduction to, to this topic. And uh, and he argues that the reduction uh, to five digits from, you know, eight or so, um, it, 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 it moves along the same lines with the development of complex wrists and ankle joints. Because in using these, uh, as, you, as, it begin, as an animal begins to use these digits and these fins to do more more things underwater, it's putting weight on them, um, and, so, and it's putting, and that means increased weight on the wrist and ankles. So it, it goes back to the whole idea of the the knife being used as a pillar with the blade down. Yeah, and uh, the limb has to uh, adapt to to be able to stabilize better and, and to have pressure on the wrist and ankle areas. Yeah, and so there's there's this idea of pre-adaptation of all this tinkering going yeah. on, so to speak, and it just happened that that it all developed in a way, of course, over you know hundreds of millions of years, hun- you know, in this case, what we're talking about, 350 million years ago, um, to eventually support what would become us, right? Right. Which is a really simplistic yeah. way of talking about evolution, but it's it's an interesting again paradigm shift away from saying. Here's this fish, and it had to become man, and yeah. so it developed some fingers. No, it's more yeah. like this. Here's this fish, and it developed some fingers for an entirely different project, and then at some point realized, hey, actually, uh, I can crawl up on land with these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're simplifying things a, a good bit, but yeah. that's basically but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's to spare you like a, a ninety minute talk on on that one point. Yeah. This presentation is brought to you by Intel, sponsors of tomorrow. Now we have uh, a, a, some species that have, have also developed a false thumb, which yeah. is pretty interesting. Uh, moles and pandas, um, amazingly. Because a, a panda is an animal that I generally don't respect all that much because there it is at the zoo. 
taking up valuable space, costing all this money, and it's just sitting there on its butt. Oh, you think it's coddled? Yes, I know it's coddled. The worst was, um, and, and I, I love the zoo here in Atlanta, but they had a, uh, you know, you're forced to market with it. Like the panda becomes this mar- huge marketing instrument. Yeah. And they actually had this campaign where they showed various, very interesting animals at the zoo, various zoo animals, and they were wearing panda masks. <laughs> I remember that. It was, it was kind of like, like these animals are okay, but, it would be even better if they looked like pandas. Put a panda mask on them, and maybe we'll get people excited. And those guys, like, oh, come on. That's yeah. That's so demeaning. Yeah, it was really demeaning. I, I have to say, it was effective in getting your attention, though, right? Yes, it was. So it was an effective ad campaign. And and But the, the thing about pandas, and we could probably do a whole podcast on this, they're actually far more interesting than I give them credit. Yeah. And one of those uh, those things is that they have this false thumb. Which the is, pseudo-digit, right? Yes. And it's uh, basically a remodeled wrist bone. And, uh, and moles have it as well. So it's not a true digit in that it's sprouting out from the wrist bone. It's part of the wrist bone. Right. But this is a case, though, that, that it actually helps. It's an adaptive mutation because mm-hmm. of their, their grasping of bamboo. Right. So it's not just some sort of random mutation that came along. Right. And it's not like the Hemingway's cats where they really have no reason to <laughs> have for, that extra digit. Maybe knock back a whiskey. Yeah, yeah. Or you know, shoot a lion on safari, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, tetrapods, they rarely maintain a, a polydactyl six digit because it, it would have limited evolu- evolutionary use unless it was formed for a distinct purpose like the pandas and their pseudo digit. Right. So again, that's why we're seeing this, this culling back of digits to five because it really does seem to be the perfect, uh, at least for us, uh, right now in this day and age way to get about. Which begs the question, you know, what are we, what are we going to look like? Cause we are, you know, in the future, cause we already know that, Tool use has shaped the way that our hand, our modern hands work today, right? Right. Yeah. You're throwing things. You're, you know, like the basic, uh, the movement that you make when you, uh, when you throw a dart. Yeah. Like that's utilizing a lot of the, uh, uh, what's going on that's really important in your wrist and a lot of the evolution that's taking place to get us, uh, to, you know, to where we have hands like, uh, like we do today. Yeah. And actually, this is from the Journal of Anatomy. It's an article by Professor Richard W. Young, who called evolution of the human hand, excuse me, the article is called Evolution of the Human Hand, the Role of Throwing and Clubbing. And he posits that our male and female hominid ancestors would have been more apt to survive if they were successfully wielding a club against their adversaries, uh, if they, and that would allow them to dominate other hominids and essentially ensure that their club happy DNA were passed on. <laughs> Club happy DNA. Yeah, okay. and hence this this more perfected wrist motion, right, or mm-hmm. grasping too of clubs. He says, "quote The fossil record indicates that adaptation for throwing and clubbing to influence hand structure at or very near the origin of the hominid lineage continued for millions of years thereafter." And then just to go skip a little bit ahead of this quote, he says, two unique hand grips were thereby produced, called the power and precision grips." Huh. So we know, you know, that obviously we're not done evolving. It continues to tinker. We've we've got our handy little um, wrists and fingers so adept, partly because we could use tools and we could club other people and things. Huh. It makes me instantly I think of baseball. Where you, I mean, where the main centerpiece there is the throwing and the swinging, uh, throwing of a ball and the swinging of basically a large club. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there you go. I mean, that's yeah. how the club evolved, right? Yeah. Which is nice. Quit clubbing people and start make make it into a sport involving balls instead of heads. <laughs> um, but it did make me think, like, what what are we going to look like? Uh, I don't know, a thousand years from now. I mean, obviously, the the iPad has great influence over us right now, and the iPhone does. 
And yeah. if it were to continue with us for a thousand years, you know, would our current hand structures change so that we were have like stylus pen like little appendages at the at the I guess uh, at our fingers? Because when you first mentioned to me, I instantly I was thinking keyboard because I guess I was, you know I'd just been using a keyboard, so I'm like, oh, I guess we'll have more fingers so we can we can type more. Right, but, right. But, but yeah, with the with things like the iPad, we're already getting into. Uh, Situations where you, where you don't need all those fingers to operate an iPad, and and uh, and we've talked before about the the more that we uh, the more we develop uh, human uh, machine interactions, we're mm-hmm. we're getting into a situation where where fingers and, and limbs won't even be necessary. Uh, so uh, right, I mean, and, and specifically, we're talking about like brain computer interfaces, yes. right? Mm-hmm. So you know, eventually one day we'll be able to Google in our brain without even having to enter anything with our fingers. Yeah. And then we'll have our you know handy dandy exoskeleton arms that are super strong, lifting things just for fun. Well, why would we lift things? We have the robots bring us. That's things, right? right. The robots. We don't even it like. I was thinking like maybe we'd have fingers just enough to open our sun drop cans while we use our brain computers. But no, we probably have a, a, a cute robot that's going to come over and open our sun drop for us. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. For now, we could admire our fingers. Look at them. Because yeah. they're not always going to be with us in the in the same way they are now. Yeah. Sorry, I was looking. I uh, know you were so. <laughs> you were literally looking at your fingers. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, I it looks like we have a little view, listener mail here. I almost said viewer mail, but that I don't think anybody's actually watching. I don't see anybody no. under the table. Okay. Today. All right. We'll check again just to make sure. Okay. Nope. All right. Well, we have uh, mail here Strickland. from. <laughs> oh, get out from under there. Um, we have mail here from Adam, and Adam actually writes in about robots. Uh, just mentioned robots. Uh, um, he says, enjoyed the podcast on lying robots, and especially the mention of my favorite sci-fi author, Isaac Asimov. I was surprised that you mentioned Little Lost Robot from iRobot, but didn't bring up the highly um, applicable liar, also in iRobot. By way of quick summary, it is about a robot that is accidentally able to read minds. Programmed to not be able to harm humans, the robot's brain gets fired after he can see in the minds of humans the harm that would be created by telling either the truth or by telling a lie in a certain situation. It's probably my favorite story in an already fantastic book. Enjoy. Uh, I have to say, it's been a while since I read um, iRobot, and I really don't remember that story at all. So maybe I skipped it. I don't know. But hmm. it sounds cool. I'm going to have to dig up my copy. All right, then. And we also heard from Beth, and Beth writes to us on her iPhone and says... With her hey, stylus pen. Yeah, and her... Maybe. Maybe, or her stylus uh, evolved finger if she's writing us from the future, which is not indicated by the sent date on this email, but at any rate. Um, she writes in and says, Hey, Julian Robert, I wanted to write because I just listened to you, your Defeat Your Doppelgangers podcast. I have actually seen my doppelganger. A manager at work when I was in college brought in a photo of her niece and showed it to me, explaining that it was taken at a Renaissance festival. I told her that I'd never been to one and that I had no clue where this was or when she had gotten gotten it. I thought the girl in the photo was me, even down to the freckled face, her hair in a bun with a claw clip and a men's shirt t-shirt on. She looked just like me. It was really weird experience to be told that was not me in the photo. Keep up the great show. I love it. So that's that's really, really interesting. Yeah, that's very creepy and cool. Now, you didn't get to tell the story uh, in the actual Doppelgangers episode, but didn't you have a doppelganger in college? Oh, yeah, I did. But um, I, And my hair at the time was pretty pretty blonde like bleach blonde so who knows i think i think it's more like an archetype that i was fitting but for a year solid people would just come up to me and say i love your band <laughs> i could buy you a drink 
okay. Yeah. Um, so you had so, like a rock star doppelganger. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It was cool. Thanks, doppelganger. <laughs> well, hey, if you have uh, uh, anything you want to share with us, um, be it related to your fingers or to your doppelganger. Or your toes. Or your toes, yeah. Or um, various sci-fi references that I made or failed to make. Uh, feel free to let us know. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook as Blow the Mind. And you can also drop us a line at blowthemind at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. <laughs>